Autism now affects 1 in 88 children, in which 1 in 54 are boys, and the prevalence figures are growing daily. Autism is the fastest growing serious developmental condition in the United States that costs a family $60,000 a year on average, while the cause receives less than 5% of the research funding of many less prevalent childhood diseases. As to date, there is no medical detection or cure for autism. Help us at the JZO Modcast Network change that as April is National Autism Awareness Month. We ask all of you to join us this month in honoring the boys and girls who live with this condition each and every day of their lives, in donating to a charity centered around researching and possibly finding a cure. Any amount is welcomed because chances are you personally know someone directly affected with autism. Let's come together and make a change. Are you an author, poet, comic book creator, or an artist? Do you have a novelette, novella, novel, poetry book, comic book, graphic novel, or art books that you thought about publishing, but you don't have the cash to self-publish? Well, this is your lucky day. Announcing Dark Myth Publications' second annual Open Contract Challenge. Currently, we are accepting submissions for round one, the pitch. No matter what type of book you have, Send the judges your pitch by 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, April 30th. So what do you get if you win? I'm glad you asked. Third place winner will receive a $50 Visa gift card. Second place winner, or the runner-up, will receive an e-book contract for publication through one of Dark Myth's brands, plus a $100 Visa gift card. Grand prize winner will receive a contract for an e-book and a print publication through the Dark Myth Publication Division, a full distribution market circulation for a year. Also, you'll receive a $200 Visa gift card. Cool, right? But we're not done yet. As the winner, you will also receive a round-trip airfare and hotel accommodations to California to be part of the second annual Jayzomon Pop Culture Expo for the signing of the book in 2021. And now that I have your attention, go to www.opencontractchallenge.com and enter to win. And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Myth Bits. Hey everybody, and welcome to the World of Myth Bits episode. Who the heck knows? Because all the days are beginning to blend together. This is episode 79. <laughs> I am your host, Stephanie Barty, and this is Magazine Review. Yay! I'm sorry if I don't sound as enthusiastic as I usually do. It seems every time I get on here to talk to you guys, I have another calamity that I need to talk to you guys about that has happened in my life. For being in in isolation and not leaving my house, I have a lot, an awful lot of things that happened to me. Um, Over the cold or whatever it was, and it's allergy season. So for me, 
with allergy season comes chest congestion, lung goop. That's what I call it, lung goop. Sinus congestion, the works. And I do have allergy meds. Um, anybody who knows me knows I don't like to take pills. I don't like to take drugs. I don't like to take meds. <laughs> and anybody who knows me will also say that I'm stubborn. So I didn't take my allergy pills yesterday. And my cat, CJ, likes to sleep on my face. Curls up with his fur up my nose on my face. And he did that last night. And I spent from 3.30 to about quarter to six coughing. And I was too lazy to get up out of bed and go downstairs and go into the kitchen and go into the cupboard and get an allergy pill and take an allergy pill and come all the way back upstairs and get back into bed. Because I would have been awake by then. Even though I was already awake, I would have been more awake. Anyway, you know, that whole going down the hall, keeping your eyes closed as, as, as tight as you can so you don't wake up when you have to go pee in the middle of the night. Yeah, that kind of thing. Well, anyway, the coughing caused all the muscles across my rib cage, across my back, to tighten and be very sore. So I was kind of moving slow today, taking it easy. I wasn't overdoing it because my back goes out very easily. And I was folding laundry, standing at the couch folding laundry, and I turned to say something. And as I turned, I hiccuped at the same time and dropped like a rock. <laughs> and this very strange sound emanated from my face. <laughs> and my husband looked up at me and all he said was, you're done. And I proceeded to relearn how to breathe and pulled myself back up to a standing position and continued to fold laundry very rigidly and he's telling me sit down you're done sit down I had a list of things to do today a long list of things to do today so I finished folding that laundry and I managed to get myself into the laundry room and change the loads over yay me came back out and um, sneezed. Now, I am over 40. I have had three kids. I have had numerous abdominal surgeries. So, I am rather proud of the fact that I sneezed and did not pee my pants. Now, I did sneeze and drop to the floor again. This time I needed help standing. <laughs> and I spent the rest of the afternoon on the couch with my back covered in A535, taking Tylenol like the Pez, with the heating pad on my back. And my back still hurts, but I can move, I can breathe, I can take a deep breath, which is a blessing because I couldn't earlier. It hurts. Every time I took a deep breath, I made that weird sound again. So I'm not as enthusiastic as I usually am on magazine review because I'm still in a little bit of pain. I'm trying to move very slowly. I'm very animated when I podcast. You'd almost think this should be a video, 
because I'm, I talk with my hands and I make funny faces and it would be really funny. But anyway, that's so if, if this isn't as long as it usually is, or if I don't sound as excited as I usually am, that is why. It's not because I'm not. So I want to say, I want to apologize for Rantcast last week. Well, not really apologize, but um, if it was not what you were expecting, I am sorry for that. And if, you know, you were warned that it was a rant one, and if you listened to it anyway and you still didn't like it, I'm not sorry for that because you knew what it was when you went into it. I do want to say thank you for those people that contacted me outside of the um, podcast and you know, told me, you know, rant, sister, rant, and keep it up, keep going. Thank you. Uh, I do have a little bit of housekeeping to do before we get to the magazine. So, first things first, open contract challenge. We have exactly as of today, uh, one, two, three, four days, four, four. Four days left. Four days. Four. Count them. One, two, three, four. Four days. Four days left. Uh, in the contest as of the 30th, that is it. We are closed to pitches. So get your pitches in. You have four days to do it. This is turning out to be a heck of a contest, let me tell you. Okay. So that's Open Contract Challenge. Now, I do want to mention a couple of things about Open Contract Challenge. If we cannot read your pitch, if your pitch is in a foreign language, you are submitting to a contest being held in the United States of America, where they predominantly, predominantly speak English. The owner of this contest, the judges of this contest, speak and read English. Some of us may speak French, some of us may speak Spanish, but that's besides the point. It is an English, written English speaking contest. So if your pitch is in Arabic, or in Chinese, or in Japanese, or in Swahili, and we can't read it, it is disqualified. I'm sorry. I'm sure it was a really good pitch, but we can't read it. And with the amount of pitches that we have, it is not our job to translate your pitch. Your pitch is for a contract challenge for an American contract in an English-speaking contest. Just throwing that out there, just so you know. Um... Yeah, I think that was that was it. That was the only thing that I had to mention about the contest. And that's just for me. That's not from anybody running the contest or judging the contest or anything like that. That's from me. So make sure your pitch is in English. Because if we can't read it, we can't judge it. If we can't judge it, we can't do anything with it and it's it's out. Okay, so that's Open Contract Challenge. Next on the list of housekeeping. Uh, 
things are coming along for the new magazine. Um, there need to be, there will be some business meetings and things happening um, between all of the concerned parties. Staff meetings. Once we get staff, <laughs> there will be department head meetings. Um, this is serious business. This is this is a serious magazine. This is not just. Um, I mean, we want to, to do the absolute. I mean, I do my absolute best for the world of Myth Magazine. I want to make sure everybody working on the new magazine is doing 110%. Now, I'm not going to expect you to do 110% if I'm not doing 110%. I'm a lot like Dave in that respect, is I'm not going to make you or ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. I used to run a cleaning company, and I would not ask a new employee to do anything that I hadn't already done myself. And... We did things the old-fashioned way. You got down on your hands and knees, and you stuck your hand in the toilet, and you scrubbed the toilet. You didn't do. You used a scrubby brush, yeah, but you got in there. You got underneath the rim. You. We did it the old-fashioned way. You didn't spritz it. You didn't give it a swish and flush, and you're done. You wiped the brim, the rim, everything down. You wiped all the the joints on the seat lid down. Cleaned all and yeah. It was all done, cleaned, spotless. So, I'd done that. In some of the nastiest bathrooms, let me tell you. Oh, CJ says hello. So, I am not going to ask anybody who is working for either magazine to do something that I, A, have not done myself, or B, am not willing to do. Because if I ask you to do something, that means I am willing to do it, and I have done it. So, don't know why I went off on that tangent, but I did. So, I want to make sure that this magazine that we are going to charge money for, people are going to pay for, is going to be worth what they're paying. It's not going to be an expensive magazine, obviously, um, but... I want it to be good quality and not just good quality to look at and hold in your hands. Good quality to read. Interesting articles. Um, interesting everything. Good. So so there's a lot of planning to be done. And um, I am more of the, okay, hold on, slow down. Let's think about this. Let's discuss this. Let's map this out. Let's have a clear and concise direction as to where we're going. And some of the other people are more of, let's get this going. Let's get this moving. Let's, let's full steam ahead. <laughs> so we balance out very well. Okay. That is that. Um, we also, if you've been following along in Dark Myth Writers, I, and I think I posted the links on the World of Myth magazine page. I'll post them again tomorrow um, because the one run for printing just ended, so I had to renew it. Um, we do have swag. We have 
stuffs that you can purchase if you so choose. Um, I have purchased a few things. I'm excited. <laughs> so I've created everything that is on the that is in MythMart. Our store is called MythMart. Um, it is on Teespring.com, and I have created everything. I took the logos that we had um, and created products from those logos, except for the yoga pants. The yoga pants, I couldn't get the Dark Myth Writers logo to work properly, so I created the leggings myself with a font and the writing up the leg. I absolutely love them. I can't wait for mine to get here. Um, but that being said, we have tank tops, t-shirts, uh, crew neck sweaters, socks, hoodies, some blah, 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 cell phone cases for Samsungs and iPhones, mugs, stickers. If you want Dark Myth Writers stickers to put on your car, we have um, tote bags. We have, what else do we have? We have tote bags in white and gray. We have t-shirts and I said that already. We have um, sweatshirts. We have hoodies, we have cowl necks, and the same with PCE products. We have the Jaysoman Pop Culture Expo cell phone covers, um, mugs, stickers, tote bags, organic tote bags. We do not have the clothing line yet. I haven't had time to sit down and do the t-shirts and the sweatshirts and stuff like that. But we do have stuff. So, if you wanted to get a PCE coffee mug, you can for $20 Canadian. So, it's a lot cheaper in American. Um, and that price, I do believe, includes your shipping. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. So, and all the proceeds from this... If you buy the PCE products, will go back into PCE. The Dark Myth Writers, that will go into the Dark Myth com Publishing Company for publishing um, other books outside of the contest and doing events outside of PCE and outside of Scarefare. So that's where that money will be going. It'll be going back into the company. We're not going to get rich. Trust me. <laughs> so I will post the links um, to the products to our store. And um, yeah, go check them out. Order something. If you don't, if you want the logo on something particular and you don't see it there, get a hold of me. Uh, the email for that is darkmythwriters at gmail.com. 
And that is for the Myth Mart. We are also going to be launching the Myth Mart website um, in a bit. I'm not putting a date on that because there's a lot going on right now. We have a lot of things on the burners, so to speak. So, um, yeah. And on the Myth Mart there will be books... The magazine will be there. There'll be a um, bunch of stuff. We do have other swag. I do have another supplier for um, really cool tumblers, like the big plastic cups with the lid and the straw. I have actually have one coming. T-shirts, um, car decals, stuff like that. So, yay! Yay! So I have some cool stuff coming, but right now, if you want to buy PCE stuff, if you want to buy anybody who was at PCE, you want something to, and it doesn't have the year on the logo, so it will work year after year after year after year. Um, and Dark Myth Writers, which was born at PCE. So if you are a member of Dark Myth Writers, I have the coffee mug coming and the coffee mug looks absolutely fantastic. When it arrives, I will show you, take pictures and show you my stuff. And uh, you'll be able to see it. So I'm excited. Okay, so that's that. Um, we did that. We did that. We did that. We did that. And we are now. I See, I open all my tabs up and and the, each tab is my housekeeping. And as I do that bit of housekeeping, I close that tab. And now we the only tab I have left open, excuse me, is the magazine. So we are at the magazine. All right. Get myself situated here. I also, again, want to say thank you. We have some amazing readers, by the way. We have some amazing writers. You guys, like continually month after month after month after month amaze me and do something or say something that makes me go oh you guys are awesome because you guys are awesome the response to my intro completely blew me away it really did it completely blew me away that was not an intro that I sat down and I had made notes on and I had thought it out that intro came completely from my heart and the response that you guys had to it really touched me and really emphasized to me the bond that we have, the fact that we are family. Like it emphasized that family feel. You guys are awesome. And thank you so much for the positive feedback for that introduction. Um, and funny story, <laughs> I went out driving uh, two nights ago daughter and I just had to get out and uh, we went out for a drive and um, it was actually the night after the magazine launched so it was the 25th and it was about 11 30 quarter to 12 at night and she's all quiet sitting in the seat looking at the window and it's dark and the sun had gone down and I was all quiet and uh, we were out in the country and that song actually Alphaville Forever Young actually came on the radio. And I squealed so loud. I scared the living daylights right out of my daughter. Um, and I'm like, this is the song. This 
this is the song I was talking about in my intro. This is the one. And yeah, her and I proceeded to sing it at the top of our lungs. So, yeah. Anyway, okay, I digress. All right, so our featured article this month is James Bates, Preparations Are Made. And we will talk about that um, when we get to that story. But congratulations, James. It's been a heck of a series. Um, Member of the month this month for winning last month is uh, Christopher Bice. And he won for his poem, Genocide, I do believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. So congratulations, Chris. And in we go. Okay, so we're going into stories here. We are already 22 minutes in. Oh my goodness. Okay, so this might not be a short podcast. (coughs) I'm waiting, 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 waiting. We are always waiting for the internet. Okay, so up first is a... Drabble by James Bates. And I love the fact that our contributors um, are now contributing not just one piece every month, but two or three pieces to the different categories. It's fantastic to see the um, different variety and style of writing from one particular contributor. It's fantastic. So this, to me had a very um, Al Capone-ish Valentine's Day Massacre feel. And I think that's exactly what he was going for. Um, It's just the way it reads. I don't know a whole lot about the Valentine's Day Massacre, so I could sound like a complete idiot because they do talk about Moran's gang and... um, it's a really good little little piece that kind of gives you that snapshot of what it might have been like that day for those guys sitting in that restaurant and, you know, all of a sudden this hail of gunfire erupts on them. So, very well done, James. I enjoyed that. That's Happy, Happy Valentine's Day by James Bates. And then we have Takeout by Christopher Bice. Now, usually you see Chris over in poetry, and he is fantastic over in poetry. He's really starting to stretch his legs and find his footing in drabbles. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and I know you're listening, Chris, I'm hoping that this is leading him up to longer, like a flash fiction or even a short story. I know, baby steps baby steps. (laughs) I honestly cannot write a Drabble. I've tried and I cannot keep it in a hundred words. I can't. I just, uh, and so my, I have great respect for people who can write Drabbles and flash fiction. I'm long-winded. Okay. So take out, um, um, it was really well written. It was a good, it, it, kept me engaged. Ew. (laughs) Ew. 
I'm still trying to figure out if he killed the delivery guy or if he ate the delivery guy. Um, was he the Chinese takeout? But, yeah, wow. That was... Um, that was really good, Chris. That was really, really good. Like, it was it was good. It was creepy as heck, but good. That was good. I enjoyed it. Okay, and then we have Voyage by Michael A. Arnold. Now, Michael, you may know him. He's our art reviewer. He is our book reviewer. Um, he's written some great short stories. This is the first Drabble, I think, we've had, or flash fiction Drabble we've had from him. And this gives you, it's, it's a snap, almost a snapshot. Again, for me, Drabbles are snapshots of a larger story. And this gives you a glimpse into what it would be like to be on a ship in a storm. And, um, I felt that panic. I felt the rising and, and, and the dipping of the waves and the heaving of the, 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 your stomach rolling and kind of like that feeling you get when you ride a roller coaster and you go up to the top and then they drop you. Um, as I was reading this and the panic that the crew felt on that ship, so... Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Voyage by Michael A. Arnold. And that completes our... 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 Our Drabble and Flash Fiction section. And now we are over at Fantasy. And the first one up... Now, I... I was debating where I was going to place this one. Because it would fit in Action and Suspense. It would fit in Fantasy. And it would fit into sci-fi. The main character, this is The Rest Stop by Mike Charlotte, and he is a newcomer. Welcome, Mike. Um, uh, the main character in this story is a time traveler, and he has the ability to travel back in time, and he uses that ability for good. He tries to uh, right wrongs, and he's trying it also would have fit in comedy, too. <laughs> He's trying his damnedest to retrieve this woman's wallet before any catastrophe happens and before he changes anything too drastically um, and get it back to her and see her on her way. And he works at a rest stop along an interstate. And if you've ever traveled, even in Canada... Or in Ontario, we have the en-routes, which are like rest stops, um, except our en-routes have like a Wendy's and a Tim Hortons and um, a little convenience store and a gas station and stuff like that. In the States, a rest stop, a true rest stop, is bathrooms and vending machines, some picnic tables outside and shush! Get up in your chair, curl up, go to sleep. You have three chairs to choose from. They're all cleaned off. Don't meow at me. Sorry. So, yeah. Um, 
if you've ever been into a rest rest stop along any highway in the States, you know what they look like, you know, the layout of them. Um, so you can picture what's going on, where this woman would be parking and what this poor guy is trying to do. So yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And I laughed. (laughs) I think, I think one of my favorite lines is at the end of the story that said the butterfly effect is overrated. (laughs) Still, I couldn't let anybody die. So the poor guy, yeah, he's trying to make things right. And he ends up just keep making things worse. So that is The Rest Stop by Mike Charlotte. Okay, moving along. Our next one is a new one from Walter Esselman. And um, this is part one. And we will get part two. Um, I can't remember when he said we were going to be getting part two to this. But this is part one. And it's called Pumpkin Sue, a Dragon Sun story. And I was kind of excited because I thought maybe it was a new series. And, you know, Walter, you can play around with that idea. Because, you know, (laughs) I really enjoyed it. It is a true fantasy story. One of the main characters is a dragon. A dragon! And he's great. And he's he's more of a main character than... um, the humanoid counterpart, or Pumpkin Sue. And I absolutely adore Pumpkin Sue. I think she is is the coolest thing ever. Um, I love her attitude, and she's got attitude. She really does. Kind of reminds me of Liberty, but, you know, she's got more sass to her and and says a whole lot more. (laughs) So, it's a really good story. If you really want to enjoy a good fantasy story with dragons and a little boy and pumpkin Sue, you want to find out what a pumpkin Sue is, read Pumpkin Sue, a dragon son story by Walter G. Esselman. You will love it. I did. I want more. I can't wait. And he's, he's not like a lot of our writers. A lot of our writers will send me the entire story broken up into the parts. So I get to read the entire thing. So I know what happens. Walter doesn't do that. (laughs) Walter makes me wait, just like the rest of you. So I have to wait until I get part two to see what happens in the story. So I am on pins and needles, just like the rest of you. Okay, so Pumpkin Sue, a dragon's son story, part one by Walter G. Esselman. Okay, so next up is Labyrinth by Marine Ahmed. Okay. Now this one, um, when I spoke to her, she told me it was an excerpt out of um, her book. So if you want to read more, you'll have to get a hold of her and um, talk to her about about it. It's really good. It is it is a definite snapshot. It is a definite excerpt from a larger story. Um, because when it ended, I kind of went, "Is that all?" wait a minute, wait, no, that did not answer any of my questions. And I really feel for Rose 
I really, you really get, um, you really develop some empathy for Rose and what she's going through. And you can understand her anger um, at the need to find her biological parents. So I want to read more. So I'm going to go and hunt for that book and I'm going to read it. So well done, Maureen. That is Labyrinth by Maureen Ahmed. And now we have, okay, now, Umer, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right. Ame no Uzumi by Amer Merksa. And this has a very um, legend tale feel. It's Well, it is a legend. Um, it's a specific legend of the dawn and of the sun and the moon and the relationship the sisters have. And this is the first part to a story that you'll get the second, the, the soft sequel to next month. And it tells the tale of the dawn kind of not coming. The sun is not coming up. The sun is having a temper tantrum, in my opinion. And... It's Aminozumi has to go and talk to her sister and draw her sister out and make everything right with the world again. Make life grow and make trees bloom and flowers bloom and the bees buzz and things and life carry on. And this is the story of what makes those things happen? What makes the sun rise? What, who is the dawn? Who is the rising sun? Who is the moon and the darkness and the evening star? That's what this story is about. It's that tale of those spirits that inhabit those things. So, that is... Ame no Uzumi by Umer Merksa. And now we have The Rising, Part 8 by Jeff R. Young. And he gets to live. <laughs> I'm still his friend. I'll still be his friend. But um, I'm not in mourning because Draven still lives. We left off, Draven had been bitten by the undead, and it was not looking well for Draven. Still not looking well for Draven, but Draven is still breathing. And they found out a way, in this um, excerpt, they found a way that they can kill them. Only Draven's bow, they realized, can kill them. Because it's been blessed by a holy man. So, what do they do? They bless the water, they dip the arrows, and now they're getting the upper hand. Now they're able to defend um, the castle, Cora's castle, and win for now. So, I really enjoyed part eight. It had a lot of action in it. 
It had a lot of you're you're getting to see Draven. He is dragging. He's he's not well, obviously. He's not well, but he's not giving into that. He's still doing what Draven does. Draven's a warrior. Draven's a fighter. Draven, Draven's a raider. It's what he does. It's who he is. He's still he's going to keep going until he can't keep going, and I will be very upset on that day. But I know it's coming. <sighs> Story dictates if they don't find a cure, Draven's going to end up like everybody else. So, I know I keep talking about Draven, and there's there's so many more characters in this story other than Draven. Um, I mean, you've got Mace, you've got Korra, you've got. Um, I'm trying to pull names here. Draven, 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 you have Draven! Zithos, all of them. I like Zithos too. <laughs> he, Zithos kind of reminds me of the dwarf from Lord of the Rings. And I actually did expect Draven to offer him a box to stand on um, in this in this piece. But he didn't, because that's copyright. Anyway. So, I really enjoyed it. Well done. I've missed this Gwent. There's another one. I have missed this story, Mr. Jeff. Thank you for um, part eight. That is The Rising by Jeff R. Young. And another one that I have missed. <laughs> I probably should have mentioned this at the beginning. April is Autism Awareness Month, and I know we are at the end of April, and I haven't mentioned it in any of my podcasts because I'm a dork. Um, That is my bad, and I do apologize for that. But April is Autism Awareness Month, and anybody who has listened to Dave talk about his kids knows that his oldest um, is autistic. And... This month, we got to see another installment, part nine, of The Missing Unicorn in the Land of the Zombie Fairies. And this introduced Billy, the older brother of Emma and Olivia. And in this land, in the real world, Billy is autistic. And he functions within the boundaries of where he is on the spectrum. In... The fantasy land that they're in, that all fades away. And he is this amazing knight. And, you know, his color is, of course, purple. And this is Billy. <laughs> this, this part nine is Billy. And it's his, his personality and his sense of humor and I have actually seen glimpses of this sense of humor in Jay's son, or in Dave's son. And um, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful um, tribute to Dave's son, Jay. And he says, dedicated to my kids, Jay, Zoe, and Lily. And everybody knows that Emma and Olivia are Zoe and Lily, and Billy is Jay. So, 
I really enjoyed it. He, he's got, I tell you, Billy's got his, got a smarty pants sense of humor. I will give him that. Um, so yeah, this, this saw the introduction of Billy and the continued journey towards where they need to be. And it talks a lot about things. Billy has been in this land before. And he has been in this land for a long time. So he knows it really well. And Billy talks about um, the Battle of Hydrangree and things that happened before Emma and Olivia got to this land. So I'm interested now in seeing some of those previous stories of Billy's adventures in this land. So, and something he, Billy doesn't seem to trust. I got the sense that Billy doesn't trust Ken, which made me kind of take a step back and go, hmm, what's up with Ken? There's something there with Ken? There's something I missed? I need to go back (laughs) and reread. So, Yes, I was I was very pleased with this. I really enjoyed it. And I know it's a kid's story. I really do. But it's really good. It is a really good story. I highly recommend you read it. Okay, so that takes care of our fantasy section. That was The Missing Unicorn in the Land of the Zombie Fairies by David K. Montoya. Now we're going over to Horror and Dark Trek by Sean Klimek. Sean never, ever ceases to write something that I really wish I hadn't read right before I was going to bed. He has the knack for writing something that just sends that shiver up your spine and has you jumping at shadows. This is no different. at all it was creepy and and the thing is of it is is that it's they're not scary like they're not some fantastical monster it's not some big creepy scary thing it's not a vampire it's not a werewolf it's not anything that you would expect in a horror story. It's literally man-made horror. And it's also a modern-day situation that you can see happening. Um, You feel the fear that Diane feels as she's trying to make this trek to safety. And, you know, the panic when she's knocked out, like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to her? Um the panic she feels when her brother's going to the door at the cabin and you're like, no, no, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? So it's one of those, you know, why, why, why do they do that in a horror movie? You're screaming at the TV going, don't, don't open that door. Don't go there. Don't go there. You don't know. So that's Dark Trek by Sean Klimek. And yeah, dude, (laughs) When you send me your stories, say this. Don't read this before bed. 
Because that one really, that one got me. Okay. And y'all know I'm not a horror, horror dude, big on horror. Certainly not late at night. Um, being the editor, I will tell you, has, has stretched my, uh, fortitude. Okay, so now we have Vita Postmortem Part 2. And when we left, the three boys were going through the cabin. And now you find out exactly what is going on in that cabin. And what the dude that lives there... I can't remember his name. I can't pull that off the top of my head. Give me a minute. Uh, Blackshear. Mr. Blackshear. And what is what's what he's dealing in. And why he has all of... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Dude. <laughs> great story. Really great story. It had all the creep factor you could want. Um... And a heck of a twist. Like, I was not expecting that at all. I was not expecting that to be what Mr. Blackshear was actually doing. Um, I expected it to be something completely... Like, I was going along the lines more of straight cannibalism instead of what he was actually doing. So... Yeah. Really good. Really good. And that finished that out. I think that finished that out. I could be wrong. There may be a part three. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't remember. Off the top of my head. But that is part two. So that is Vita Postmortem Part Two by A. Stump. And that is in horror. And now we have The Witch Test by Don DeBrail. And I've read a lot of witch stories. Everybody's read a lot of witch stories. And usually, the witch doesn't fare too well in those witch stories. I do have to say The Witch Test was a nice Nice change. Breath of fresh air. Was an interesting twist on the Salem Witch Trials. What could have... Well, something like the Salem Witch Trials. What could have happened? What may have happened? You never know. You never know. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, at the very beginning, the very first line of the story took me, and I'll say it took me to Monty Python's She's a Witch. And then as I was reading, it brought me more into the Scarlet Letter and into um, the TV show Salem and um, into what I've read and the research I've done into the Salem Witch Trials and how things were conducted, and how things were done. And it was really nice to see a witch get her own, <laughs> you know? 
And she's a grieving mom. So, you really feel for her. I did. Really enjoyed it. So, The Witch Test by Don DeBrail. And then we have Answers from Hell by David K. Montoya. Now, this is kind of dark for Dave. Um, obviously, not his typical writing. Inspired by legend. So, there is an actual legend out there that this story was inspired from. And, I, of course, I did the, oh, they're playing with a Ouija board. This is not going to end well. Because anybody who knows me knows my feelings, thoughts, and opinions on Ouija boards. not going to go into that. But this story takes you on a journey. It really does. And, um... It takes place all basically in two rooms. In the kitchen. Well, three rooms. The kitchen, the living room, and then um, the main character, Landon, in his, um, his bedroom is where the final scene is. And <laughs> I do have to say, when I do, and I did tell Dave this too, when the... One of the demons starts reciting Latin. I almost Googled it. And then I realized as I continued reading the story that that demon came with a demon translator. Because the other demon was translating what the one demon was saying in Latin. So it was great. He had his own translator. Perfect. Um, Which to the observer was really cool. Pretty sure the person that was hearing the... Latin being spoken and then translated, it wasn't any more comforting having it translated (laughs) than it would have been hearing it and not knowing what it was. It's not any more comforting knowing what they're saying. Trust me. So, I really enjoyed it. I really... There's a lot of um, lessons in this story that you can take away from it about drugs, about playing with things, messing with things that you shouldn't be messing with, that you don't understand, that not everything is a game. Um, yeah. Living an authentic and true life. Throwing that out there, too. Okay, so, I really, really enjoyed it. It was... Um, if you're away from what David normally writes... Like, we have Through the Eyes of Madness, which is like a cop drama. We've got his zombie fairies, and um, every now and again he gives us a drabble. So, this was a refreshing, uh, breath of fresh air from what he normally sticks to. So, this is Answers from Hell by David K. Montoya. I want to find out what that legend is now. Now, over in Action Suspense, we have Neo Exodus Part 3 by Matt Lucas. And this is the culmination of the story. This is the final installment. And you get the end of the big battle. This is the big battle scene with Anubis and the Griffins and um, the Nazis 
and Davis and his little troop. So you're you're finding out like you're reading everything that's happening and some of the things as you're reading you take yeah that, I remember reading that in history class uh-huh uh-huh that too uh, but in a different slightly different context so it, it's been an incredible journey reading this story and like I said I got all three parts of this so I got to read all three right away so it's been and a journey for me right from the very beginning, reading all three parts at the very beginning and then prepping them every month for the last three months, rereading them and then watching you guys read them. It's a really good story. It is well thought out. There's a lot of um, historical conjecture and um, historical rumor that was involved with the Nazis, with Hitler, and the rumors of necromancy and um, magic and things like that during the war. So having all of that brought in and then seeing it, like reading as it's happening, was really, really interesting. I really enjoyed it. Um, Yeah. And again, I'll say, you know, seeing Anubis, not as this almighty wipe you out but you know (laughs) watching things watching this egyptian god losing limbs making them almost human relatable was really good so i really enjoyed this entire story all three parts and that's neo exodus by matt lucas and i hope we see more from Mr. Lucas. Okay. And then we have Walter Giersbach. The curious reason why Greta's heart stopped beating. <laughs> and this had a very um, Alfred Hitchcock, Ray Bradbury... Friday night, 11 o'clock, Twilight Zone feel to it. It was that kind of story set in modern day, modern day issues, recycling, um, and, and a lot of the mental problems that are created, anxieties that are created from today's modern problems like recycling and um, making your your carbon footprint as small as possible and being a good environmentally friendly person and making sure that everybody around you sees that you're being that kind that, that person because a lot of being environmentally friendly unfortunately is the judgment that you get from the other people a lot of people, um, it doesn't matter if they're recycling, as long as other people think they're recycling. And they see them with their reusable bags and their green bins and their compost and their organic this and organic that. And don't get me started on organic. Um, and they, they, they get that anxiety built up in them 
and they're worrying, okay, did I do this? And then you have the curious reason why Greta's heart stopped beating. You need to read this story. Um, it could have very well have sat over in humor as well. But, yeah. Excellent story. I really enjoyed it. Okay. And that cleans up our action and suspense. And we are now on into science fiction. So, if you've ever heard of Westward the Women, you will see the similarities in Spaceward the Women by Steve Carr. Now, Steve Carr is an incredible storyteller. He can weave a tale that pulls you in and you're at the end of the story before you realize you're, you're even at the end of the story. So, whoa! Because it just flows so well. And Spaceward the Women is no different. It is a great story. It's well written. And it... I mean, it, it is a space story, obviously. But it does have that kind of... Um, 50s feel to it. I really enjoyed it. And... I'm not one for sci-fi, but I mean, it had enough in it. It was definitely sci-fi. You were, they were out in space for crying out loud. But there was enough of the story that I forgot it was sci-fi. And I mean, you also wonder too, like you're reading this, it kind of, the thing with sci-fi, I find, and I think it might be the reason why I tend to shy away from sci-fi, is because it has that ring of possibility to it. And this story is no different. You know, they're sending their women off to populate the new planet. Basically. The rate we're going with our own planet, that you can see that kind of happening. You know, the men go on ahead and get things prepared and the women are kept here and healthy. And then the healthy ones, the breeding ones, are sent off. So, kind of, you know, it really makes you think. So, that is Spaceward the Women by Steve Carr. Then we have Selection Day by James Rumpel. Um, it fit into the science fiction section. To me, it had a moral story, a moral lesson to be taught about discrimination. And um, you can be discriminated against for anything. And when you get to the end of the story, you find that out. The sign changes from saying, no, you have to be this tall to be allowed in. And he's allowed in. He needs, he, he's invited in. And then when he goes to go in, no green eyes allowed. Do what now? Um, yeah, it's a very good story. You do take a very strong moral lesson away from the story. I did, anyway. And I, I really enjoyed it. So, you, gotta, you really feel for Michael. You really do. Poor Michael. 
You must be this tall to enter this establishment. I would have a problem with that because I'm only five foot three. So if they start putting height restrictions, like height limits on restaurants, I'm in trouble. There may be some places that I'm not going to be able to get into. You know how long it took me to be able to ride one of the rides at Canada's Wonderland? A long time. And even now, I have to kind of get up onto the bicycle seat just right so it looks like my feet are flat so that they'll let me on the ride. I usually wear, you know, thick-soled shoes when I go to Canada's Wonderland so that I can ride the rides because I am not tall enough to ride some of those rides. So anyway, I know what it's like. I know how Michael feels. So, and Xavier. So that is Selection Day by James Rumpel. And then we have Preparations Are Made by James Bates. Now, you may have noticed at the beginning of the story, he had all the episodes, um, all the previous five episodes were all listed for you and a quick rundown of what happened in each episode. You know, like episode two, we meet Karen and learn about Quinn and Karen's life together. So just so that you know where you are in episode six and you can go back and you can read all of those episodes. They're all on his contributors page. Now, episode six sees the introduction of Karen or not Karen, Bill. The introduction of Jen, who is Karen's colleague and best, basically best friend. And she decides that she is going to join Quinn and Karen and flee with them. So they make all the preparations. Her and Jen make all the preparations. They bluff away at work as best they can to kind of buy them some time they get the supplies and they make all of the changes physically that they need to do. And that is where we are with this story. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this, we're working now towards the end. There are 10 installments in this story and we are on six. So things are really going to start speeding up. This is really, really good because now they we have a new character, Jen, has been added to the group, and now they're off. They're running. There's there's no there's no going back. The decision has been made, the preparations have been made. There is no going back now. So well done. Preparations are made by James Bates. And that wraps up our science fiction. And then in humor, now I could have put this in fantasy too, but it was just so damn funny. This is another new contributor, Matthew B. Johnson. And this is A Night to Remember. And night as in K-N-I-G-H-T, night. And it is a story about Sir Rodney. And he is an actual knight who has been tasked, as all knights are, to defend the realm and those within his charge. And he does his best, a little misguided, um, 
I would say, a little misguided for sure, and uh, gets him into some trouble. And then he ends up in the most appropriate, I'm going to have to, the most appropriate place for him. Because he is a knight. He will always be a knight. He can't just walk into modern day society with his armor and his sword and go, I'm here, point me towards the dragons. And it really gives you an insight as well. It kind of it makes you sit back and go, well, are all dragons bad? Especially when you find out that this particular dragon had a family, children, a wife. He was a law-abiding citizen, paid his taxes. <laughs> See what I mean by it? Was, it's funny. You got to read it. It's really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and like I said, he ends up in the most... In, appropriate place for him. He gets a second chance at life and he is is put in the most appropriate place for him. So that is A Night to Remember by Matthew B. Johnson and that is in our humor section and that completes our stories. Now, over in poetry, we have Feng Shui Rules by Yuan Cheng Ming. And these are kind of like the poem he submitted last month where he was going through the elements with a little poetic piece for each one. These are the rules for Feng Shui. And he lists the rules for Feng Shui in a poetic style. So that's Feng Shui Rules by Yuan Qingming. And then we have Home Again by Christopher Bice. And this one took me back to my childhood as well and, and thinking about being at the cottage and um, playing, being on the lake and running through the forests and um, you're playing tag. And I, we, would play, we would play a game called Sardines and we would play that at night. It's kind of like tag, but in reverse, where um, one person goes and hides, and everybody counts, and then they each you go and, and when you find them, you hide with them. Um, and it's played at night. So, but yeah, this took me back to my childhood and and my days in grade school and in high school and and um. It was a beautifully tragic poem. The words that I have, those are the words that I have. A beautifully tragic poem. Um, yeah. Chris, fantastic job. Fantastic job. Broke my heart. Fantastic. Beautifully tragic. And then we have The Invaders by John Gray. Um, well written. I really enjoyed it. It really creates a picture in your mind with very few words. It's not, um, it's like, it's not a story. It's a story within a poem. So it's, I really enjoyed it. It's the Invaders by John Gray. And then we have Visitor from Birth by Kevin Magnus. And 
we're Kevin's going back to his his roots, his dark um, writings. But this has it, it's it's got a, a a demon battling those inner demons and 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 outer demons feel to it. Um, I mean, it mentions demons, obviously. So, yeah, and those demons are with you. Always. So, yeah, it was a really good poem, and it, and it really makes you you think about things in your own life. So, "Visitor from Birth" by Kevin Magnus. So then we have "Leave Your Box of Empathy at the Curb" by Rebecca Illich, and this one broke my heart. Because it resonated so strongly with me, I could feel every bit of this poem. I could feel the words. I could feel the frustration and the desperation and the depression, um, the aloneness of it. I could feel it in the words. Um, Yeah. So leave your box of empathy at the curb. By Rebecca Illich. And then we have Rome by Jeff R. Young. And I have to say, I'm used to Jeff's um, The Rising series, and I'm used to his writing in the video game review. And when I know he's a poem, I know he started out as a poet in the world of myth, but that was before my time. So when he hits me with a poem, holy moly boy, he hits me with a poem. This is Rome by Jeff R. Young, and it it is an incredible piece of work. He is an incredible poet, and I mean, there is a theme in some of the poems. Obviously, you can really see that quarantine is playing, and, and self-isolation and social distancing is playing hard on a lot of our contributors and um, we are all battling some fairly strong demons and Jeff's poem is no different. It is incredible and it speaks to a lot of things that we all battle, but we don't talk about, you know, our sins and the things that we've done and the things that we're ashamed of and the things that we keep hidden. Um, Rome by Jeff R. Young. Well done. And I think that rounds out our poetry section. Okay, so now we're going over to the art gallery. We have the corner of Weishak and Cesarzo. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Um, very sci-fi 70s feel. For me, anyway. With the campers and the monsters. Um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And then we have Curious Koi by Jody Perkins. And we haven't seen much from Jody in a while. Um, it's good to see her back. 
So this is Curious Koi, as in the koi fish. And it's done in pastels. And it's a very pretty picture. I really like it. Very soothing. Very calming. But koi fish are very soothing and very calming. So that's Curious Koi by Jody Perkins. And then we have Explore by Christopher Harris, which is actually our cover. And I just love Christopher's work. There is so much going on in his stuff. In one picture, there is so much going on. And I mean, you could look at that picture for a good 20 minutes and not see every little detail within that picture. So that is Explore by Christopher Harris. And then we have Faye by Trevor Sanders. One of my favorites. And she's got a very, um, I mean, she's got the horns. She's got the fur. She's got a very pan feel to, you know, mischievous god of, of frivolity and... Um, yeah. <laughs> Very appropriate for this time of year, too. So, as we, we creep closer to May. Um, so, this is Faye by Trevor Sanders. And then we have Mecca Queen by Vincent May. And I really enjoy Vincent's stuff. He's got a very... Um, it's a very robotic feel to his pictures. Obviously, they're 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 wires and they're um, oh, I can't think of the word, but it also has a very humanistic feel to it as well. I mean, there's life in the eyes when you look at the eyes. There's life there. So that is Mecca Queen by Vincent May, and then that wraps up our art gallery. Over in reviews, I'm not going to go into um, the reviews as much this this month because I'm already coming very close to an hour and a half, and my internet is just giving me an incredibly hard time all of a sudden, and I don't know why. Maybe because it's 10 to 2 in the morning for me, and... My internet just decides it doesn't want to do anything. Okay, so we have review of The Hunt by Moviegoer Grimm. And I have to say, I do love the way Moviegoer Grimm reviews the movies. He gives you the a well-rounded review. You get technical. You get his opinion on the movie. He talks about what happens in the movie. And I do actually want to see The Hunt. I saw a trailer for it and thought, eh, it's kind of campy for me. But after reading the review, it sounds like there's a lot more going on than the kitschy, campy, comedy-type things that they put in the trailer. So, that is The Hunt by Moviegoer Grimm. Book review was review of Italo Calvino, Invisible Cities by Michael A. Arnold. And then we have Video Game Review which is Fallout 4 by Jeff R. Young. Well done review. And then we have review of Lindisfarne High Cross by Michael A. Arnold. And this is a really interesting art review. Um, 
go and read it because I learned a lot about the Celtic cross and the Vikings and Beowulf and things that I didn't know. And I know an awful lot about that kind of stuff. And there were actually bits and pieces in here that I kind of went, I didn't know that. I did not know that. So, and then we have commentary from the founder, David K. Montoya, and he touches on a lot of things that I've already talked about, but he touches on a lot of things that um, you may not know. And stuff coming up and all the good things going on. And then in the Mythmasters lair, this month was my kid, Katie Barty. Um, she did not fare as well as I did in Mythmasters lair, I just have to say. That's all I'm saying. So go and check out the interview. And that is our magazine review for this month. So I will chat with you all next month or next week next month next week get those submissions in for our may issue may oh we're coming into may here folks hopefully we are out of self-isolation and social distancing is a thing of the past and we can hug and say hi and travel and be merry and live so have a good one everybody and i will talk to you all next week Thank you for hanging around. See ya. The World of Myth Bits.